With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we are, of course, going to recap the 81-74 to win at Ann Arbor over the 19th-ranked Michigan Wolverines. A great game, back and forth. Badger scoring 81 points. The offense was clicking. Defensive end was pretty solid, other than maybe one player uh, really giving it to the Badgers. We'll get into that. Uh, and we'll talk about the impacts of the rest of the season, because obviously this was a big game terms of how the latter four games would kind of shake out and impact uh, things for the seeding in the tournament. And of course, as we head to March, you know, all these games are important and this one was a big. Then later on in the show, we're going to discuss of the, the news of Kobe King's departure to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And then at the end, end, we'll get into a little NFL combine stuff, go over how the four Badgers are doing down in Indianapolis. But uh, for right now, we're going to talk some basketball because there's a lot to talk about. A, like we said already, a huge win at Michigan. And really, it all starts what, with the performance by Demetrius Trice. It was the Demetrius Trice show for the Badgers, 28 points for him. He looked phenomenal. He's probably playing the best basketball of his career. I mean, he is playing the best basketball of his career over these last seven, eight games. So, Matt, how impressive was his performance tonight on the road? Yeah, I mean, he was just great. I if, In the recap I just threw out there, I mean, he was just kind of a maestro. I mean, he everything he was pushing was going. And he, uh, you know, he was five of six from deep. You know, other than missing the two front ends late in the game on free throws that had uh, most fans probably pulling their hair out, he, he was just on fire, distributed the ball nicely with the four assists. But he just really felt under control, was able to kind of let everything come to him while also going ahead and, and making sure that he was um, going and searching for his shot, searching to, to make plays against really one of the better point guards in the league in Xavier Simpson. So that was a really cool matchup to see those guys um, duel it out. And, you know, you look at it and, and just, I think, to, Dimitri Trice will take the win any day, regardless if Simpson can beat him by uh, four points or whatever he did. Yeah, those two for a while there, especially in that first half, were, were just going back and forth. It was impressive to watch. I mean, when you get you know, basketball's fun, when you really get those two players that are really scoring and just going kind of matching each other, you know, basket for basket in a way, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, Trice had a lot, you know, we've seen from him in the past where he's, he's put a lot of pressure on the defensive end and played really well. But the offense sometimes struggles and lack of it because I think sometimes he exerts a lot of energy on one end of the floor. Tonight the offense was clicking and he had a tough assignment. Xavier Simpson's one of the best you know guards in this conference and just a extremely talented player. He had the hook shot going, he had the jumper, he had everything going. So really it was just a battle of you know two really talented point guards in this conference, probably two of the better 
better ones in this conference, just going back and forth, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and then, I mean, you look at what Micah Potter and Aleem Ford did. They they really helped this team navigate the waters without Nate Reavers. Reavers was battling foul trouble throughout it, never could get into a rhythm. But then you see Ford just holding up his end of the bargain, dropping 18 and 8. with it. I mean, and those boards were crucial. He, he shot really well for the field, going 6 of 8. I thought he just was re- really good. And he's usually not a guy who's going to take you off the bounce, take you to the rim. But he had a couple different opportunities where um, the offense was kind of bogged down. There wasn't anything going. And, and he just kind of took it upon himself to take it to the rack. And, and that really helped this team because it can't just be the D- Dimitrik Trisha when it's late in the shot clock and when things aren't uh, clicking. And I thought Aleem Ford really stepped up in that area, and I was really impressed by what he did. Yeah, he was really impressive. 18 points, 8 rebounds. You talked about the rebounds being in pretty clutch moments. You're exactly right. Uh, I I was really impressed with him when he was pulling up for his jumpers, too. He wasn't... uh, you know, sometimes when Ford isn't hitting shots, you can you can kind of notice that his shot just looks kind of off. He was going up with confidence, and I think a lot of those guys right now are, are having that same feeling. And we talked about it. You know, you usually need a big performance, 15 or so points from from either Davison or Pritzel, but you can get that from William Ford too, who sometimes sometimes will be non-existent in the scoring department, but he'll contribute you know, in a big way on defense and rebounding. But if you can get you know 18 points from a kid like that, that maybe isn't the guy that you rely on to consistently give you points night in and night out, it's huge. And it just goes to show you, if everybody's clicking like they kind of are right now, this team can get kind of dangerous. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at his development over his career, just coming in as a late addition in the recruiting class as kind of a guy they just randomly saw at an open gym at IMG to see what he's doing now. Now that uh, Kobe King is gone and he's got a little more uh, floor spacing to play with, He's playing really well and elevated his game. I also love uh, what Micah Potter's doing. Just imagine if they had him all season long. Just mm-hmm. the dude's a stud and just playing great. He wasn't in there down the stretch just simply because he wasn't always doing what he needed to do um, in the turnover department and on defense. But, but man, his offense at times is just right there when they need him. And the, the chemistry he's developed with Demetri Trice on those pick and rolls is really nice. He's got soft hands to catch the ball. Uh, he, he sometimes brings the ball down t- too much and, and hesitates or does a shot shot fake when he doesn't need to. But you also see when he catches it on, on cue and just um, goes up with it right away, he can, he can slam it down on some guys instead of uh, letting them catch up to him. So he, he's done a really nice job, and I, I love the chemistry that they've built over uh, this season as time has gone on. Yeah, he was impressive. You know, that combo is really working. He slammed down a couple uh, nice dunks on some people. And I think what really sets Potter apart and helps this team is how efficient he is. He came in those first few minutes when Reavers had that bloody lip and had to go out. He comes in and pours in four buckets in like two and a half minutes. Incredibly efficient. Kind of kind of that, you know, they call it in the NBA a walking bucket. You know, coming in off the bench, he's going to come in and just give you a spark and, and, and score points. I was thinking like Lou Williams or – Jamal Crawford, if you're looking to think of names. I'm not saying that that's Michael Cotter's game, but to have a guy that can come off the bench and just give you buckets consistently, come in and be a scorer, is huge. And and Michael Potter, while he is a big, and it's traditionally more of a guard role that sometimes you get that from, he's he's coming and he's did it. And I think him coming off the bench as that sixth man and rotating in there with Reavers on the floor at the same time is is really efficient. And, man, I, I – can't think of many better games for him. I know down the stretch he didn't play as much, but 
he just has really been dominated on the offensive side in that pick and roll, getting the ball in the post and, and making the most of his opportunities. And like you said, it it sucks that this kid didn't get to play an entire season because I, I would really love to see what I've been doing if if he wasn't knocking the rust off those first couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just been a revelation for this team. And, and it's, there's a reason that they've won so many more games with him there. They had to go small a lot of times uh, without him in, in the fold. And, and you saw a guy like Joe Hedstrom um, being forced into action when he wasn't necessarily ready. I know he, he's out right now with, with an injury, but he, he was the guy who was kind of thrust into action here in timely moments. And, and Micah Potter has just really helped out this team because – you saw what happened when they took Reavers and Potter off the court, and it was Tyler Wall and um, Aleem Ford. Both guys are scrappy, good defenders at times, but at the same time, they're not guys that are, ma- are uh, supposed to be matching up with somebody who's 6'10 uh, in, in the post, like like we saw that um, Teske, Teske can be and, and what they have. So I thought um, overall Wisconsin did a really nice job, and, and really Micah Potter has and Aleem Ford and Demetrius Trice, the way they've elevated their games these past five games leading to this five-game win streak has, has really helped this team, and it's been fun to watch because – this is a fun brand of basketball that fans really want to see from the Badgers, and and this is what Greg Gardis wanted all year. It's it's not like they had wanted to hey shell in on a defense and really just focus on trying to grind out wins. This this is what they wanted, and, and we're seeing a scoring surge because they're they're confident, they're playing well together, they're really communicating well on both the offensive and defensive end, and and it and it's going through with with the five straight wins. Yeah, it really is. It's it's finally looking like the system that Greg Gard, who was a longtime assistant for Bo Ryan, and you know that they developed and worked on, you know, in practice, and it's finally starting to come to fruition with this group. And I think it comes to just going out there and playing basketball and and knowing their assignments. It's clear that these guys have improved, and a lot of that credit has to go to Greg Gard. You know, in practice, they've clearly been focused on, you know, when they were taking on Purdue and Rutgers, they got destroyed on the boards against those two teams. They were focused on that. The next time they came out, they did a great job on, you know, in that regard. So it's clear that the coaching and, and the players are, are gelling right now. They're, they have a good relationship. Things are going well, and it's showing up on the basketball court at the you know, really the perfect time. I know there were struggles early in the season, but them compared to now, it's a completely different basketball team, and it's incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, now in the season they've got 11 quad one wins, which uh, means it gets the top 30 teams in the country, really, uh, according to the bracketologists. Um, but, I mean, they've really been showing out here lately, playing some really good um, basketball. Their defense, um, you know, obviously giving up 74 points isn't great, but we've seen Wisconsin go with a quicker tempo, uh, more confidence in their approach offensively, and, and a willingness to, to take an early shot when you've got it. And and it's um, because they're doing so good on three-point defense. You saw Michigan came in as uh, a, a team shooting 24 three-pointers a game, and, and they, they made three. They made three out of ten. Wisconsin did a really good job of closing out um, and communicating, making sure that they were um, available for guys, forcing Michigan to take it to the hoop. And, and you – you are, um, just like the NBA we talked about last time, the NBA game, you're willing to trade it to if, uh, a two-point look for a three-point look any time if, if you're making your shots. And Wisconsin's been shooting lights out from deep. Shoot, they shot 47.8% in this game, 11 of 23. Compared to, you look at Michigan's 
three of ten, and, and that's the difference of this game. You know, it's it comes down to um, being able to hit those timely three pointers and limit the opportunities for your counterparts. And you know, Xavier Simpson did a lot for Michigan. He he kind of carried the load, bounced back after a rough game against Purdue, but. Wisconsin will give that every time if it means that they're going to get five of five of six from deep from Demetri Trice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the three point defense and the three point offense it really came down to, like you mentioned, uh, you know, that back and forth. They played great, you know, defending the perimeter, but they also knocked down shots. I mean, this is their fifth straight game with you know ten plus three pointers, which just goes to show you that this team is really starting to. Not only defend the three point on one on one side of the basket and one side of the court, but they're also really consistently knocking down shots, which is something that we didn't see earlier in the season. And that all comes, I think, kind of comes back to a the offense is moving the ball incredibly efficiently. They're finding the open man, they're making the extra pass, and then once they have those open clean looks, they're knocking it down. And again, that comes back to Demetri Trice just being a perfect floor general these last six or so games it's been you know him distributing the basketball but tonight it was he and don't get me wrong he did a great job of distributing tonight too but tonight he basically said you know what I'm going to go out and, and get my points and he did that in a big way so I I can't applaud this team enough for the way they looked especially on the road you know this conference has been impossible to win on the road they came out and played 40 minutes of, of really good basketball you know in a tough place to play you know at Ann Arbor yeah, for sure. And I mean, Wisconsin's almost back to a 500 on the road, which is just unheard of in this conference because teams have really struggled, like you said, on the road. And to to now be tied for second, um, we'll see kind of what happens later on tonight with uh, uh, the 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 game between Ohio State and Nebraska. I would assume that Ohio State will take care of that. But but man, Wisconsin just has really just shot up. They're now the team with the biggest winning streak. Uh, five in a row, knocking off the Michigan, who had a five-game winning streak coming into it. I mean, it's really telling for the growth of this team and kind of where they're at uh, and where they could go moving forward. Yeah, and that's the that's the biggest thing. You know, this game was the one where, looking at the rest of the remaining schedule, you said, well, if you can win at Michigan, that really sets you up. Now, the, the Badgers do have a still some tough games. They've got Minnesota. This weekend on Sunday, Sunday evening, and then they've got you know Northwestern's at the bottom of the conference, so not much. And then Indiana, the final Saturday of the season, a game that uh, you should win, but you still have to go to Indiana. They're starting to play a little bit better. So the hardest one of the four is certainly out of the way on the road against a ranked Michigan team, but now you've got a, a real good chance. You've already won five in a row. You could easily make this you know, eight in a row going into the Big Ten tournament, which would be huge for not only your seeding, not only for you know making a run at the top spots in the conference, but especially your seeding come March because the Badgers have been stuck on the eight line, and I'm I'm sure they'll moved off it a little bit after tonight. But it's a, it's exciting to watch and and see where this team could go. Yeah, I mean, Lenardi uh, after the game was talking about uh, potentially four teams uh, in the Big Ten along the six line: Michigan, Wisconsin um, being being two of them. So I, I think that was a, a huge win for the Badgers. You know, we had talked about what they needed to do in order to to uh, get a share of inside the top four and get that double buy for the Big Ten tournament, and they're doing it. And you look at Maryland; they've got a tough road ahead. They've they've got a two two-game lead, I would expect them to still hold on to it. Um, but they still have to play Michigan State. They have to go to Rutgers, and they also have to play Michigan. That's that's not easy, you know, And compared to Wisconsin having um, 
uh, a team like Northwestern and Minnesota, two teams who aren't even in uh, question for the NCAA tournament anymore. And you got to like where Wisconsin stands to, to pen, potentially finish in the top three and, and really give themselves a shot to go deep within the Big Ten tournament and, and further increase their chances of um, getting a, a, a better seat in, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, most definitely. I saw after the game, like you mentioned, uh, that, that it looked like Michigan with that loss would be a six seed down from the five, and then Wisconsin, who was at a seven, eight, depending on uh, the latest version, up to a six. So certainly a, a ideal spot to get away from that eight line that they've been stuck on because you don't want Baylor or Kansas in that second round. So Hell no. Be, <laughs> you don't want either of those teams. You don't want to probably see them in general, but if you if you can get to that sixth line and stay there, because I don't see them, maybe you get to a five. But Michigan, Michigan State are there right now, but I just don't know if you if they'll be able to hang around in that. So a sixth line would be would be perfect for this team, and I'd be interested to see how they finish out. What did you make of Dan Dockich? He had some high praises for Greg Gard. He said he was the coach of the year in the conference. What did you make of, uh, of that high praises? I know it's Dan Dockich, and sometimes he can get <laughs> knocked on, but I, I was I was kind of impressed with the praise that Greg Gard was getting from from a guy like him, a big name ESPN guy, albeit sometimes a, a little bit of a bonehead uh, for ESPN. Yeah, no, I think I think Greg Gard deserves whatever he gets moving forward um, with because of the way that this team has been resilient all season long, given off the, everything that has happened off the court. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that people were calling for his head, and, and now they're, you got Dan Dockich uh, calling for him to, to win Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think, I think eventually uh, Peichel or uh, Chambers, uh, Peichel of Rutgers and Pat Chambers of Penn State will probably be one of the guys just because – those two teams haven't been to this level in a while, haven't been consistent winners, whereas Wisconsin, this is, other than a blip two years ago, this is this is what Wisconsin should be doing. This is Wisconsin basketball. Um, so I, I think um, Greg Gard deserves whatever he gets, but I, I, I'm not sure that he's going to end up winning that award, but he's definitely up there in contention. And Greg Gard has really just done a lot of nice things this year to help this team, and, and it's obvious to see what they've done um, as a team growing to, to this point because you look at this team from day one um, when they when they headed to uh, the Dakotas and lost against St. Mary's, a team who at, as of right now isn't going to make the tournament by a, a small margin, uh, and you see them going into Michigan, a team who's, who's taken down Gonzaga. Uh, that's a that's a flip of the script, and it's telling for what uh, Coach Gard has brought to this team. Yeah, it's been in, incredibly impressive, and you know a five game win streak is really at the most important time, and to, to just bounce back from where the team was. You know, Greg Gard, I agree with you. I don't think he'll win Big Ten Coach of the Year. Those other two guys are very deserving in this league, but just to get even into consideration, you know, after the, those two losses in Brooklyn to Richmond and New Mexico. And not even losses. They were ugly losses. It's not like it was just a, a fluke. Those were just bad games from this team. To get to this point, including everything that this team has gone through, it's it's incredibly impressive. And now they just have that opportunity to really finish it out. And I, I, I'm fully bat, bought back into you know seeing this team and hopefully making a run and, and winning a couple games in, in the big dance. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it, this team's definitely peaking at the right time. And then you look at everybody who's coming back. They're returning everybody, and they're bringing in some some really talented playmakers next year. This is the team to be reckoned with next year, and we'll get more into that uh, later after the season. But I think this team is trending in the right direction, and a big reason to that is, is Greg Gard and, and what he's done, especially maneuvering around some of the potholes that have happened this year. Most definitely. Well, that – Wraps up kind of the recap. Like we said, a five-game winning streak heading into a home contest with Minnesota and then a contest with Northwestern and on the road at Indiana. So lots of uh, big games still coming up, but, you know, winnable games that should hopefully propel the Badgers up towards that four, you know, that top four, I think, is is very much in the grass. Uh, the two spot is maybe in the grass, and unfortunately Minnesota couldn't help us out uh, with knocking off Maryland the previous night as the Terrapins got uh, uber lucky. You know, at the barn against Minnesota to hit that late three. That was uh, devastating for the Badgers, and not so bad for me because I bet Maryland. But, <laughs> man, what a, what a shot from the Terrapins at the end there. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's just a really good team. They've got the talented playmakers to win the conference. They've still got a tough schedule. I mean, if you look at those teams, that's what I've been saying. What you've been saying is if you look at the, the crossover schedules of what teams have got going on here, Michigan State, who's tied with the Badgers, have at Maryland, at Penn State, versus Ohio State still to go. You've got uh, a, t- a team like um, Penn State, who still has to play Michigan State. Um, you've got... You've got Illinois, who's probably got the second easiest schedule, um, like Wisconsin, but Penn State having to go at Iowa and also play Michigan State. So Wisconsin's got everything in front of them if if they can continue this mojo going. I like them to win the next two. That last game's going to be a coin toss. But the way they played tonight to get such a huge uh, victory on the road, which is hard to come by, it, it, it was definitely – uh, noteworthy, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Wisconsin jump into the possibly the top 25 after a win like that, given just what they've done. Um, you know, they're now 5-3 and three against uh, the AP top 25, and so this team is really playing well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them end up as the two seed uh, if they keep things going. That would be awesome. Now let's get into that Minnesota game a little bit, because this will be the last pod before that game on Sunday afternoon, evening. I believe it's a 5.30 tip. Uh, at the Kohl Center. Last time, you know, trip to Minnesota, which is always a hard place to play. You saw Maryland struggle with it, you know, last night, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Maryland struggled there. A lot of teams struggle there. It's a weird court, weird setup, weird – it always seems like weird lighting, just a weird place to play basketball. And I think teams really struggle with scoring the basketball there. But, you know, the Badgers lost 70-52 to in that game just a couple weeks ago, early February. I I think it was that first week in February – what really needs to change this time around to make that one was closer? Because that Minnesota game, it was only 18 points at the end, but it seemed like the Badgers got beat by 30 in that game. It was never really close. Yeah, no, and it, and it wasn't. They, they had, Peyton Willis just went off against them, the junior guard. He's a he's a talented player, averages nine points a game, and he, and he dropped uh, 21, uh, just a career high for him. And Daniel Aturo, Aturu, is a really talented player inside. Wisconsin's got to do a better job against him. He was able to really dominate the boards. Um, so I, I think Wisconsin's just got to be better against the uh, in the paint against um, against the um, Minnesota Gophers. I thought uh, Minnesota also shot the ball well from three, but the way that they're playing um, three point defense is a lot better in that game. Minnesota shot forty percent from from deep, and I, I don't see that happening. Uh, at the Kohl Center. I, I, I predict that Wisconsin will win that game. They should win that game. Minnesota's 
Um, only won two of their last eight games, and one of those was against Wisconsin. So this isn't going up against a team that the Badgers shouldn't uh, that the Badgers should lose. They should definitely beat this team. This is a team that they're better than. It's just going to be a matter of shutting down Daniel Oturu and not letting a guy like Peyton Willis or one of their other um, talented guards get hot. Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing for the Badgers is those those guys are are talented players for the Gophers, but those are really talented guys when they're playing at their home court. Minnesota's two and eight away from home, and much like the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, they're a completely different team away from their home building. And at that time, you know, the Badgers were, were going through things, you know, off the court, things were, the focus clearly wasn't there. They had started, they were playing a little bit better around that, but it was a, still a significant drop-off. And then things really started to click. So to compare the, this team right now to the team that played against Minnesota last time would be unfair. I think this team should come out and really handle business against a team that really has no business hanging around with you. I know they've got talented players, but it's just a matter of imposing your will and beating up on a team like that. Yeah, and I mean, in just a matter of a month, they played them, like you said, at the beginning of February, is like the 5th or something like that. Um, they've, they've gone ahead and, and now strung together five straight wins, um, and they're gonna. I think they're going to be able to make it six straight if they can just handle their business against Minnesota at the Kohl Center. Um, and in and, and, and a game that they, they're going to definitely be looking to, to avenge that 18-point drubbing that they got earlier this year. Yes, absolutely. It was a tough game for the Badgers faithful uh, to watch there. So a 13-1 and home record, you know, going up against your rival, you have to feel pretty good uh, about your chances in that game. And it'll be exciting to watch uh, Sunday afternoon, so make sure you guys tune into that. Uh, we're going to keep talking some basketball here. There's some other big news from uh, the departure side of things. Obviously, the Kobe King news has been a big part of this team for the past month or so. Uh, thankfully, the, the team has, has kind of come together and, and moved move past that situation. But the news came out yesterday that Kobe King is indeed going to be transferring to a fellow Big Ten school in the Nebraska Cornhuskers, a team that has really struggled this year. Uh, 7-20 and 20 overall record. The Badgers have beaten up on them uh, both times. But, Matt, what did you make of uh, his decision? Obviously, there were some other schools that he was kicking around. It kind of seemed like he was going to stay within the Big Ten and Nebraska kind of kind of seemed like the logical target, you know, with a, a program that's starting to develop. But what did you make of that uh, decision by Kobe King? Yeah, I mean, I think to be perfectly transparent, I think it's pretty clear what he was looking for. Um, you know, he, he had talked about not wanting to be used, quote-unquote, for to uh, win basketball games, and uh, he can, is not going to be winning a lot of basketball games at Nebraska, uh, likely based off of what that team looks like so far under Fred Hoiberg. Um, I know Hoiberg is a coach that had some uh, NBA pedigree, having spent some time with the Bulls. He runs a, an open offense, but th- this is clearly one of the things where you're playing for the name on the back of your jersey instead of the one on the front, and um, you know, I, I hope he gets what he wants. He was averaging 10 points a game at Wisconsin, and I'm guessing he'll probably average 14 or 15, and hopefully that extra four or five points a game is what he's looking for and will uh, help him feel better about his decision. That's a good way to put it, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, am in, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally agree with you. I, obviously, if he was uncomfortable at Wisconsin for whatever the situation is, you want him to you know, find comfortable footing. I don't know if Nebraska will necessarily be a jump up. I think Fred Hoiberg is certainly hoping to build it to that way. He's had a lot of success at the college level when he was with Ohio, or with 
Ohio State, Iowa State before he departed for the Bulls, and he did a good job of recruiting in this area. I think you know to Matt Thomas, who was a lacrosse native, went to Iowa State and stuff with the Toronto Raptors and just played pretty well against the Bucks the other night. But you know Fred Hoiberg's trying to build the program. I think this was an you know a pick a guy that he could go pick up that he's seen, he knows of, and hopefully that's a you know, pillar for them to build the program. I'm not hoping so, but I think that's his logic and Kobe King. Has shown flashes of being a talented player. I just don't know if, you know, stepping into the Nebraska system is really going to up his game. But, you know, if he thinks that's the way it's going to go, more power to him. Let's uh, let's see it. Yeah, I mean, he, he can score. He can score in bunches when he gets going. Uh, he's still got to work on his three-point jumper. He's pretty inconsistent in that area. Shot only 25% for Wisconsin. But his mid-range, mid-range game is strong. He, he's just got to kind of become more consistent. He had too many games where he was – dropping 15 and then the next game dropping four so it's one of those things where he's a talented player wish him nothing but the best but it's it's pretty apparent what he was looking for um based off of his decision um now and and you look at what it's opened up for some of his teammates you know it's it's, it's Aline Ford is good friends with him, and for Aline Ford to say in a post game um, that he feels like the offense is more opened up for him now in the paint, and that he is having more opportunities to score, that's pretty telling. Like it's he's a guy who's just telling it how it is, and you know these guys are, are his teammates. They still love him. He he wasn't there when they needed him later in the season, but you know, they're still going to be there to root him on. And it's it's helped the, the Badgers who are still here really find their footing. And they have done phenomenally well since. Yeah, they have. They're clicking. Everything's working well. The offense seems to be moving better. And there's there's only one huge chance. Everyone's gotten better. But another big change from this you know program was his departure. So now that the saga has, has kind of written its final chapter, he's going to Nebraska. We wish him the best. But this team has clearly moved past that. They've clearly adjusted things. You talked about it in the last couple of podcasts, how the team is, is hanging out more, meshing off the court, and it's apparent on the court and they're playing their best basketball. So now, finally for you know this last five-game stretch and this next four, this team has looked like they're just playing basketball. They're playing team basketball, and now it's about just continuing that as the team rolls towards March. Anything else you want to touch on basketball-wise? Otherwise, we're going to talk a little NFL Combine, obviously a lot more basketball in this episode, just given everything that's going on. But um, Hey, if you had to like look through your, like a crystal ball and, and kind of make a projection going forward, Wisconsin's got you know the three games left. They've got to take on Minnesota, like we had talked about on Sunday, but then Wednesday they have Northwestern at home as well, and then they have to uh, head to – Indiana right before the Big Ten tournament. How do you think they finish here? Do you think they are able to run the table? Do you think they do two and one, or do you think they drop two? Um, I really don't see them losing all three, but um, how do you think they, they finish, and where do you see them potentially as a as a seed in the Big Ten? I think right now if I had to, you know, if they're playing this way, I think this team is fully capable of running the table. I think if I'm if I'm playing it smartly, that I would say two and one. For some reason, that last game with, with Indiana kind of makes me hesitant. A because it's on the road, and Indiana is going to be a team that they're they're kind of battling for their position right now to even make the tournament. They should be in at this point. I think Joe Lenardi had them in in his latest you know prediction, but 
I, I think it's just a game that doesn't isn't going to sit well for the Badgers, just knowing that they're they're taking on a team that really needs as many wins as they can get. So I think if I had to put money on it, I would say a, a two and one finish as they head into uh, the Big Ten tournament. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the odds on favorite here. You know, Wisconsin was able to go and get a big victory, upset victory in a lot of ways over Michigan. Michigan came in as a six and a half point favorite, so. I think it's going to be somewhat similar for Indiana. I don't think the spread will be quite as big, but it'll definitely be a hostile environment, a team really kind of on the ropes, needing wins here down the stretch. Another team who's really good at home this year and has kind of uh, relied on some of their home cooking. Um, but I, I think I think in the end, Wisconsin's got a really good shot at finishing their second or third. I, think, I don't think they're going to fall outside of the top four here um, unless they were to lose two of those games just because you even look at Illinois, and Illinois has to still take on Indiana, Ohio State, Iowa. I mean, it's Wisconsin really has had their schedule line up nicely down the stretch here after kind of running through a, a crazy gauntlet. You know, you don't come up with 11 quad one wins um, by mistake. You, you have to have played over 11 quad one teams to get there. So um, it, it's, it's definitely setting up nicely, but I think two and one, like you said, is – probably the most likely, but it wouldn't be shocking to see them um, win all three. No, definitely, especially with Indiana. They're they're a very Jacklin and Hyde team right now. They just lost tonight to Purdue, you know, an in-state rival, that a team that they expected to win with Purdue's struggle. So it's just this league is, is hard to win in. So I I hope for 3-0. and I think it's probably 2-1, and but we'll just have to see where the, where the cards fall. So... We're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, guys, and then we're going to get into some football talk. All right, guys, it's time to talk a little football. Obviously, this episode, a lot more basketball, just because of all the things that have been happening. But football stuff, there's a lot going on. And, you know, spring practice, the dates were just announced. So it's getting closer to football season. I know we're really in the thick of basketball, but it's getting closer. And then, uh, you know, we've got a, the NFL Combine going on right now. What have you seen from from the guys down there so far as they you know get going in the NFL Combine? Yeah, I mean a lot of it has just been guys talking. You know, we saw some times and stuff coming out now for Cephas, but I, I think it's really just you can hear some of the sound bites, and it's it's really the guys who are down there for Wisconsin are really great representatives of the program, um, players that you you want representing your program uh, down there, and really well spoken individuals, and and really can be great ambassadors for what the team is about. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor talking about uh, his offensive lineman and and kind of his his development at Wisconsin and what Paul Chris did to, to help him become the player he is and, and open the offense up for him to receive more opportunities in the passing game. It, it, it's definitely the type of uh, things that give good optics for the program. And But then you also hear um, Jonathan Taylor talk about a little bit about um, both uh, what he expects out of Nakia Watson and Isaac Arendo as players that he thinks will really step up next year and his guys to, to kind of continue that running back fraternity moving forward. It's, it, it's great to, to see, and you always wish for the best for, for these guys, um, is especially with um, you see a guy like Tyler Biotis who's not going to be doing anything other than the interviews really down there and doing the measurables simply because he, he's still overcoming some injuries that he fought through to continue to play with his teammates. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to see, and these guys have been waiting probably for this for, this, for their entire lives. 
Oh yeah, definitely. These these guys have been working for this goal and, and and going down there looking to improve their stock. I think all four of them could benefit. You know, you can only do so much. Like you mentioned with Beatish, you know, battling through injuries, you can only do so much to improve your stock down there. But big showings from guys like Taylor and Zach Bond, especially. Uh, Quintes Cephas showed pretty well on the bench press and and did some things. Unfortunately, his 40 uh, was was a little slow. I think he ran a 4.73, which was the slowest of the wide receivers. So that's kind of a a hard one to swallow for him. But overall, I think all of these guys are going down there looking to prove something. And I think in a lot of ways they they will and hopefully will jump up some boards. But really, it's about sitting down with you know, teams that you might invest your future in, they are going to invest their future in you. you. You can't afford in the NFL to, you know, make the wrong pick. You can see how much that sets you back, you know, years and years when you miss on, and even just one pick can set you back. So teams are doing the due diligence, but if you're sitting down with the four guys from Wisconsin, I, I would have to imagine as an NFL GM, you're leaving the conversation, you know, incredibly impressed. All four are very well spoken and and very talented on the field. So I hope that you know, this opportunity for them in Indianapolis really improves their draft stock down there. Yeah, because, I mean, you always wish for the Badgers to find great landing spots. I think Cephas' 40 is definitely going to drop them. Like you said, was the slowest of any wide receiver down there um, who is running. You know, he's really good at still creating separation, generally because of his size and strength. You know, you, you don't drop 23 at 225 for no reason. You know, he's a physical specimen, and he can really jump. He's got really good hands. So I know he jumped like a 38-5 down there, which is one of the tops for the wide receiver position. But then you see some guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones who um, who really didn't have necessarily the numbers that, that Quintez Cephas did, but is more of a, you know, a combine all-star down there um, starting to kind of run really fast have really good jumps and everything. So it's one of those things where he's going to have to find a really good team that's going to find the right situation, a team team that is used to using bigger wide receivers and is really looking for a possession guy to to make some nice plays uh, he could fall into and and fit nicely. Um, I'm excited to see what Jonathan Taylor also runs. I know he said he – is looking to uh, run in the four fours. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. He's he's a he's a burner, and uh, I think his film doesn't lie. So I think it's an opportunity for these guys to make a lot of money, and and uh, hopefully they can do what's best for them moving forward. Yeah, exactly. How much do you read into Cephas's forty? I know it was the slowest. He's he's done I think enough you know athletically in terms of the weightlifting and the you know the vertical athleticism. You can see it. How much stock do you really put into? I, I know it'll hurt him, but how much? How badly do you think that might impact his stock as he goes forward with that slow forty? Uh, you know, as as we're doing this right now, he still still hasn't uh, um, recorded his his shuttle times. I think his twenty and sixty yard shuttle will and, and his three cone drill will will be important for him just because uh, you know, he didn't have the the quick or the fast you know length. 40-yard speed, but but if he can show that, hey, he's got the quickness in and out of his routes, because we know he's a good route runner. If you can show, hey, I can do the 20-yard shuttle, shuttle really well, maybe do it really well in the three-cone three, three cone drill, that would help him in a lot of ways to, to maybe offset that, because you, you noted what he could do in terms of his jumping and his strength. If he can kind of parlay that into another positive, which is maybe having some um, elite quickness, it would it would definitely help him out because that forty time is is going to be picked apart. There is no getting around that. Uh, four seven is not not great for a for an NFL wide receiver, and, and I know that some 
um, of the of the greats who have played the game have run in the four sevens and have done really well. But uh, he he's got a he's he's a guy who's going to get faster um, as he gets into um, an NFL program and is just focused on that. Um, and he's not uh, trying to still get back into football shape after taking a year off, or over a year off from from really football activities for um, a while there until this past season. So he he'll be fine. I, I, I still think he's probably going to be a middle of the pack guy. I don't think he's a first rounder by any means, but uh, if he could find a really nice landing spot, a nice fit, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I would agree. And I, speaking as a Packer fan, I still love Quintus Cephas on my team, despite the four seven three forty. So I think he's going to find the right fit. Someone's going to you know take that shot. He's been you know doubted in previous positions. You know, both on and off the field, he's dealt with a lot of things. And for him to go down there and, you know, maybe he doesn't have his best showing. Clearly he didn't in in terms of speed, but he's still a quality football player. I think his, you know, ball-catching skills and his pure just athleticism ha- has shown. And you've seen it on the tape with, you know, Jack Cohn at quarterback. An NFL quarterback is going to deliver some better uh, balls in that way. So I think his upside is still very much there, and whatever team lands him is going to be a good one. And and then of course I'm excited to see Jonathan Taylor. I think he runs that running backs run Friday afternoon, I believe. So I'm interested to see you know what he does because I think if he runs a a fast forty, that's only going to improve uh, his stock because for some reason there's a narrative out there from from national media that Jonathan Taylor isn't fast enough, which I think is absurd. But we have seen that from national pundits, which you know local guys and, and guys that, you know with our website has really made them scratch their head, but a good showing for him in the running would be impressive for JT. Yeah, it'll go a long way in making sure that he's getting the the recognition that he deserves, and, and I have zero doubt that he's going he's gonna to pop um, when he does run. Um, but, you know, in with Cephas, you got to remember that he's still going to have the opportunity to, to work before he gets to uh, Wisconsin's Pro Day and really try to change that that number, if he could get that back down into the 4.6, if he can get, you know, like, for example, Alan Lazard ran like a 4.55. I mean, another bigger receiver, if, if he can get somewhere closer to that 4.6 range, that would probably help him um, raise a few spots in, in the draft order. So he, he's a guy who's going to be okay if he can continue to work on that. He's going to have over a month to really focus on just working at getting quicker, getting faster, and, and a lot of that, anytime it's a 40-yard dash, it's, it's not your ability to really open up when you're top, your top-end speed. It's, it's more getting out of your stance and, and doing it technically sound. You see so many guys who lose a tenth of a second simply because their footwork or their ability to get in and out of their stance it isn't there, and it can really shave time if you just work on homing in on that, on, on that skill. Most definitely. It'll be interesting to watch, you know, how those guys improve. You know, Zach Bond is another one that has, imp- I think it's improved his stock, shown flexibility. Uh, he talked about his, you know, uh, ability to cover out of the backfield, said that he, he didn't really do that a lot at Wisconsin, but he thinks he can do it. So I think his uh, ability is only going to rise as well. So hopefully, you know, this trip down to Indianapolis is big for all four of those guys because, I think they're all talented players. It's unfortunate that Chris Orr didn't get an invite down there. I'm still kind of scratching my head on that, too. But whatever team ends up with one of those five guys is, is going to, I think, get a quality player. Anything else you want to touch on football-wise? Otherwise, we'll wrap up another week of the show. No, I think I think we're, we're going to be starting to work on some spring 
spring football stuff, you know, practices are going to start up March 10th, which means it's almost roster season where they drop it and everybody looks into the, the finer nuances of people's heights and weights. You know, a guy will randomly grow an inch and uh, another guy will gain 30 pounds. So it's it's always fun to dissect the, the roster changes. And then there's always the family day on the 18th of April. So a lot, lot in store here and Wisconsin's still looking for a wide receiver coach. So it's, it's exciting times, um, but definitely times that we're going to be looking forward talking some more football, and hopefully this Wisconsin basketball team can keep it rolling. Exactly. It's it's just around the corner football season, but thankfully for us and all the Badger fans listening to this, they've got a pretty good basketball team to invest in to tie you over in the time being because I know everyone loves their football, but this basketball team is clicking on all ends right now. So just kick back and relax and watch them, and then we'll get to the football when it gets here. It'll be here before you know it. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. That wraps up another week of the show. We'll, of course, be back with you on Monday. We'll recap the Minnesota game, do it, get into some other stuff. Uh, so plenty to talk about as we keep going forward. Thank you guys for listening again. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Wisconsin. Thank you.